0: As we get into the message here today, I wanna begin with a little quiz. Uh, I'm gonna give you four different scenarios or examples, and I want you to uh, grab some pen and paper and tell me which of these four do you think answers this question or is an example of justice. The first scenario is this, we'll say it's letter A. Your neighbor across the street just has knee surgery. And before his knee surgery, he uh, spent a ton of time mowing his yard and making sure that his landscaping was up to par and looked really great. But after that knee surgery, he was having to walk around in a cane and, and his yard kind of followed in the sense that it wasn't being kept up as it should. And so one day you decide to go over and get his yard back to what it was before, and do all the yard work for him. Is this an example of justice? Or scenario B, uh, somebody from your community comes and asks you to come and speak to a group of middle school kids. You're not a big fan of middle schoolers, and they say, hey, uh, would you come and share a little bit about your job, your work, and how you got to the place that that you were and teach our kids uh, some of the things that you had to learn when you got into the job force. Is that an example of justice? Or how about this one, letter C? Uh, You have that friend who gets really passionate and fired up about uh, some of the the unjust or the uh... inhumane things that are happening and going on and and they heard a story about uh... the local prison and how uh... inhumane these prison cells are for the prisoners and so you go to that local prison see it with your own eyes and see just how these people who, although they are convicted criminals, they, they're they not even being treated like humans. And so you leave from there just broken because of what you saw. So you go to your local politicians and state reps and, and start to bring forward some of the inhumane practices that are going on. And therefore, uh, things are changed inside of that community. Is that an example of justice? Or... Or lastly, D, uh, imagine that you are listening to a sermon and you are thinking that, man, this sermon should be short and only 15 minutes because I read my Bible multiple times this last week. Is that an example of justice? Uh, is, of course, that last one's a little bit of a joke and tongue in cheek here, but 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 which of these are examples of justice? You know, justice is a loaded word for our community today. And what I fear is that we think that justice can only be found in courtrooms, in political parties, or by executive orders. But actually, biblical justice is something that we should do every day and in every way. Last week, we started a message series called Generous Justice, and in the series, we're going to be looking at the prophecy of Micah. Micah is found in the Old Testament, and in his prophecy, one who speaks on behalf of God, he is calling out the broken uh, things and systems that exist inside of God's people. Yet he's not just calling out the brokenness that exists, he also uh, paints a picture of the future, of what God is doing and building in this new kingdom, this future vision that we see. And see, when we talk about biblical justice, I, I want you to have this definition in mind that it operates in two fundamental ways. Biblical justice is retributive in the sense that it calls out the wrong, but it's also reparative, that it puts things back together how they're supposed to be. Last week, we, we learned that in Micah chapter 3, that, that Micah is calling out the broken systems, the greed and the power-hungry leaders that are taking advantage of people, and, and they were, there are consequences for that. But then we read in Micah chapter 4 that, that God has this future vision as well. One that is an invitation to all people that, that is going to turn what were weapons of destruction, swords and spears, into plowshares and pruning hooks. And It's a beautiful image that in God's future vision, what was used for destruction will be turned into tools for human flourishing. So Micah has this vision for the future that, that God gives him, but we live in this place of, of brokenness. And you might be asking, okay, but but what does this have to do with right now? Do I just uh, look to the future only? What do I do in the meantime? And Micah actually begins to answer that question. In Micah chapter 6, we read uh, that that he says, should we just offer more burnt offerings or animal sacrifices or, or bring rivers of oil or sacrifice our, our sons? And, and he's like, no, that's, that's not what God requires of us in the meantime, that as we live in this broken place and have a vision for the future, what God says through Micah is this notice these words in Micah 6, 8, he has told you, oh man, what is good. And what is the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Today we're going to focus on what does it mean to do justice? Well, again, I want you to hear that biblical justice has two aspects to it. One, that it's retributive, that, that it calls out wrong, and that's wrong as defined by God and his word, yet it also is reparative. Biblical justice is reparative and it it puts things back to how they are supposed to be according to God's standards. So it confronts broken systems. It's an invitation to all. It's not just to some, but an invitation for all to be a part of. And what is beautifully done is it takes what were weapons of destruction and makes them into tools for human flourishing. And notice that this idea of justice is found from from God's first calling in of Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 verse 19 says this, for I have chosen him, speaking of Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. At the very beginning, God says that he is calling Abraham and he is his father, Abraham. And he says that as I'm calling them to follow the Lord, that you do this by doing righteousness and justice. God is saying that his people, as a part of his family, will do righteousness and justice. And we read in other parts of scripture, in Psalm 146, verse 7, that it says that God is one who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. And you're like, okay, great, but but what is that what does that look like? for right now? I mean, how do I know that somebody is doing biblical justice? Do they have like a Bible verse attached to their mission and what they're doing or a cross in the logo? I want to give you a helpful tool here, maybe a a, a better litmus to see biblical justice in a real way. Uh, Bruce Waltke says it this way. He defines biblical justice in this startling way. He says that the righteous, those who are called by God, are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked, those who are enemies of God, are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. See, when we understand this, we begin to see that justice is an everyday activity. It's not just something that's pursued in courts or politics or legislation or only on Sunday morning, but instead, biblical justice works out in the family, in your job, in your vocation, in the way that you use your wealth, in the way that you use the things that God has given you, in in how we seek and use corporate profits and and how we form and conduct friendships. Job said it this way in Job 29, verse 14. Everything I did was honest. Righteousness covered me like a robe and I wore justice like a turban. What what Job is saying is that as a part of God's family, I I have righteousness that clothes me and I have justice like, like a headpiece, a turban. So to go back to the quiz that we started off with here, I mean, what's the answer? Is it A, B, or C? And I would argue that the biblical justice is all of those things that we talked about. That at its root, the other, it's thinking of the other, and it gives the other dignity. It repairs and it calls out. And today I want to, I want to point at three different levels of assistance that we see that when we're doing justice, this comes from Tim Keller in his book, generous justice. And he talks about three different levels that we see or ways that we execute justice in this world. And all of them are important. The first one he says is this, is that we, when we are executing justice, we bring relief. Focusing more so on the individual, relief is direct aid to meet immediate physical, material, and economic needs. The Good Samaritan is, is a teaching of Jesus that we, we see where, where the Good Samaritan does those very things. That somebody is hurting and he provides physical protection and an emergency medical treatment and, and even pays for a room for them to stay. Similarly, your neighbor who is in need of some help because of their health circumstances, this is a way for you to execute justice in your community by bringing relief and helping those who are in need. The second level that we learn about in executing justice is, is development. And development not just of the individual, it includes that, but also a community. It means giving an individual, family, or entire community what they need to move beyond dependency or relief into a condition of economic self-sufficiency. This includes education, job creation, training, job skills, financial counseling, and home ownership as well. And while this is more complex than relief, and expensive compared to relief, it is absolutely essential. In Deuteronomy 15, verses 13 through 14, we read of the law of the Old Testament, and they talked about them when a servant leaves a family and goes to start their own family, that you just don't send them out on their own and say, hey, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. But instead, look at these words in Deuteronomy 15. And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed, you shall furnish him liberally out of your flock and out of your threshing floor and out of your wine press. And the Lord your God has blessed you, and you shall give to him. What what the Bible is talking about here is that justice is found not only in relief, but also in equipping people with resources and education. You know, one of the amazing programs that exists in the city of Chicago is known as the One Summer Chicago Program. It's something that has been going on for a while now, and and it targets at-risk youth in the city of Chicago, employing them and and, and teaching them certain job skills and financial literacy. And check out this stat. They did a little research to see the effectiveness of this program that was going on, and what they found out is that 43% of violent crime arrests were reduced in just 16 months because there was education and financial resources and justice that was being brought in a real intangible way inside of communities. See, justice is found in relief. It's found in development, but it's also found in reform. Biblical justice is found in all three of these levels. And when we say reform, we're talking the larger community. We are talking about some of the political issues that are happening and going on. It moves beyond the immediate needs and dependency and seeks to change the social conditions and structures that aggravate or cause dependency. In this level, it challenges and confronts broken systems, that advantage some instead of all. One example that I can think of of where I've seen this is from a woman named Elizabeth Fry. Uh, Elizabeth lived in the 18th century in England, and she was somebody who literally went to a women's prison in London and saw at this local prison how inhumane these women were being treated inside of their prison cells. They were eating and sleeping and using the restroom all in an overcrowded cell. And when she went there, she noticed that, that there was just this philosophy inside of, of their prisons that this is a place that, that is just about being punished. She said, what if this could be a place that isn't just about punishing somebody, but also reforms them so that when they come out of here, they have new skills and jobs and abilities while they re-enter back into society. Elizabeth Fry did this out of her conviction of her faith. Not only did they have more space and room for for prisoners and remove some of the inhumane elements, but they, they also put in new job opportunities and skills and biblical literacy in teaching people about the faith as they were in prison. I love how Job says it this way in Job 29:17. He says, "I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth." There are times and seasons that justice will require us to speak up on some big things and big issues and challenge systems in a way that brings glory to God. Because certain systems have been carried over, maybe things need to be changed or adjusted or need to be seen in a different light. But I want to remind you to do justice, to do biblical justice, is that the righteous, those who are called by God, are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked, the enemies of God are willing to disadvantage the community in order to advantage themselves. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we we see someone who was willing to play and and, and act in all three of these levels of justice. He brought relief to individuals and people. He he brought uh, he created new community that that develops people in and elevates voices that had not been heard but he also uh, brings in reform there's a, a story that's told in actually all four gospels uh, and the last week of Jesus's life he enters into Jerusalem the the holy city it was during the time of Passover so people are traveling from all over the world coming to Jerusalem and they're not coming to like just go on vacation and take photos, but, but they traveled to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices to God. And, and, and as Jesus entered in, we read in the gospels that, that there were people who were taking advantage of this situation. There were people selling pigeons and oxen and sheep, uh, the things that you would need to sacrifice, and people because they were traveling from long distances were like, you know what, we need a little lighter load, and, and so somebody took advantage of that opportunity and and spiked up the prices and would take advantage of the people that were there, and and when Jesus shows up, he also sees that there are money changers there who are also taking advantage because you would have to pay certain tax by by certain money, and and the prices were ridiculous in this moment, and we read in the gospels that Jesus shows up and he doesn't just uh, he he gets upset he's frustrated by the injustice that is happening and going on in this holy place and so you probably know the story he comes in and he flips over the tables but see our god Jesus isn't one who's just retributive and calling out the injustices and just getting angry and upset But instead, he's a God that's reparative. He, just a couple days later, would would ultimately go back to Jerusalem and, and, and would lay down his life, dying on the cross for you and me. And see, the problem is, is that when we see the wickedness of people and we think thousands of years ago, how could those people do that? How, how could they take advantage of, of somebody and some, some group of people during this holy thing? But the reality is, is if we were to look in the mirror, we do that all too often as well. That we have a tendency to only think about ourselves. But that's not how our God is. That's not the God that we are worshiping here today. See, our God takes on disadvantage for us. And so I want you to know this here today, that doing biblical justice is not just the righting of wrongs, but requires generosity. Doing biblical justice will require generosity because our God has been so generous with us, by His death and resurrection, for us. Now I get it. You might be saying, "Okay, uh, you're going to talk about justice," and I got a lot of scenarios that I want to run by you right now, Pastor Dave. I mean, what what about the guy who's holding up the sign at? at the stoplight and blocking all the traffic. What am I supposed to do there? Do I just give them a couple bucks and try not to make eye contact? Uh, I mean, what about uh, the, the systems that have been put in place that, that have created more safety in, in my neighborhood and then instead of others? Should I feel guilty for living in the place that I'm living in? Or, or are you gonna try to get me to sign up to go on some big mission trip to a, a third world country and, and, and just have to give up a vacation and, and the things that I was hoping to do this summer? I want you to know this: doing justice is complex, especially in our hyper-politicized, short-tempered, quick-fix world. The that thinks that real justice only happens in politics and in simple solutions. Today, my hope is this: my hope would be that you would see the biblical justice will move you to generosity. Generosity in three stages for people and your community. Generosity in relief, generosity in development, and generosity in reform. And as a church that desires and seeks to look, live, and love more like Jesus, I pray that we would be reminded that our God became disadvantaged for our benefit For us. And so, as a result, this next week, this is what I'm hoping that you'll kind of think about or ponder. I want you to ponder this question How can you do justice, as was said in Micah 6 8, to do justice? How can you do justice in relief or development or reform in the very place and space? That God has called you to be. Do so not to be justified before God, but do so knowing that you have been justified by the God who took on disadvantage for you and for me. Amen.